are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your favorite podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy, Hickman. And today we have a couple of things to talk about. Um, first and foremost, um, what's going on around the country sparked. Well, it never sparked. The, the fire was never put out. It was continued uh, on this past week. What's going on with, in, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and um, how disheartening that is. Before we get to that, however, we want to talk about the Texans training camp scrimmage, first-team offense versus first-team defense, second-team offense versus second-team defense. Guys, still fighting for a shot uh, to get an opportunity to be on this depth chart, whether it's special teams, uh, getting some rotational time. And I got to tell you, Cody, there's a lot of optimism. Of course, we talked about that before, but um, after watching that, Scrimmage. The Texans have guys, at least from what we had an opportunity to kind of view yesterday, but they have guys across the board. And the Texans, which was a, a, a weakness for them last year, but going into this season, depth could be one of the Texans' strengths. And that's very good to hear, right? Because we know that Houston has struggled with players going down and not having. Uh, adequate replacements. Well, it, it seems like from yesterday uh, at the training camp scrimmage that they have guys that can come in and make some plays here and there. Uh, one of which is AJ Moore, backup safety. He had an interception on AJ McCarron. Also had a sack and two pass breakups. All right, and then we also want to look at what Jacob Martin was able to do: scooped up a fumble and took it back for a touchdown. Um, Vernon Hargraves, who had a very rocky start to his career in Tampa Bay, who's actually, by the way, Vernon Hargraves and Bradley Roby, outside of rookie cornerback John Reed, they've been one of the favorites, the two favorites from their secondary in regards to what Bill O'Brien sees, and he gave them praise. And Vernon Hargraves yesterday at the training camp, uh, he had an opportunity to sack A.J. McCarron as well. Uh, four to three and now on the second team's opening drive. P.J. Hall, who we signed not too long ago, uh, had an opportunity to get in the backfield for a stack of his own. So it's very good to see Houston being able to have guys that are not starters. And, you know, really don't know. It can't determine the amount of playing time they're going to get, but they have some talent and they're able to make some plays at least after what we saw um, after the training camp scrimmage, which was very encouraging. Yes, sir. You know, one of my biggest takeaways from this scrimmage was the fact that the Texans' pass rush is going to be really, really good this year, at least from what we saw at the scrimmage on yesterday. You know, there were several times that they passed rush defense, had pressure not only A.J. McCarron, but Deshaun Watson as well. Um, so, you know, that was a very, you know, exciting thing to see, you know, especially – 
the amount of times that we've been hearing fans, you guys ask us, you know, what the pass rush looked like this year. What do we have any kind of pass rushes outside of J.J. Watt? Well, J.J. Watt did not play on yesterday. Of course, he sat on the side because, as Bill O'Brien said, they are low managing him this year. And, um, you know, from what we saw yesterday, the defense – the pass rush is going to be so much better in 2020, um, especially Jacob Martin. Um, there was a miscommunication between A.J. McCarron and um, Buddy Harwell. A.J. was handing the ball off to Harwell, and somehow another the handoff got botched. And within a blink of an eye, Jacob Martin came, scooped the ball up, and ran it in for the touchdown. So, you know, there was other things that went on. Of course, you know, the display with Deshaun Watson and his new weapons of Randall Cobb, along with Kenny Stills, as many times they connected down the field. Brandon Cooks did not play. Um, I, I think Bill O'Brien gave him the day off, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he, he, too, might be on low management. Um, there, there was so much going on yesterday. Myself or any of the other reporters did not follow up on why. Brandon Cooks was not there. So that was our fault. But overall, the Houston Texans scrimmaging against themselves looked really good. Bill O'Brien did mention towards the end of yesterday's press conference that he is planning to see if he's going to have another scrimmage next week because everyone knows within the next two weeks, we will have our very first NFL game of the 2020 season against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I'd love for the team to get another scrimmage in early as possible. Uh, they had one Thursday. Give them a couple of days. So, you know, Friday, take their day off. Monday, maybe get one in. Wednesday of next week, uh, the only major possible injury news was uh, receiver Chad Hit Chad Henson, who received a big hit from your boy, Lonnie Johnson Jr., back out here doing a preseason, <laughs> <laughs> doing the, the non-regular season time, because even this season, I don't even want to call it a preseason, but. Out there laying boys out, <laughs> but um, remember he did that in his rookie season, his very first joint practice with um, right, with the, Green the Bay. <laughs> right. So he just he gonna keep laying boys out during the non regular season time. But uh, uh it, it's good to hear that no guy, nobody really was uh really hurt. There was no injuries, and you know Chad Henson was said to be okay. Getting these guys the opportunity to play one another. And come out clean, so to speak, with with no major real issues, not losing nobody to the to the, to your depth chart. Hey, man, give these guys another shot to play, and, and get them as sharp as possible. Because week one, they got to slay a giant, they got to slay the the NFL uh, champion. So, um, but Houston had a very good scrimmage yesterday, very encouraging on both sides of the ball. At, at the first team level, second team level, even special teams was pretty, you know, decent for what it's worth. Not that much that they could have really done. But I got to tell you, the most encouraging area of what I saw yesterday was guys that are going to be plugged in, uh, rotational players that could actually make some plays. And, and that's very encouraging to see. Also, the secondary group may be the most competitive uh, and best unit on this team. Bill Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. Bill Bars are tasty. Not none of that bland, no flavor bars. No, none of that. 
It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Who doesn't like candy bar? Snickers, Mr. Good Bar, the whole nine, but it's just a little bit more better for you. 16 amazing flavors, eight chocolate nut flavors, eight chocolate nut free flavors. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health conscious guy like me. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, which is what you really need if you're really trying to get a little bit healthier. Flavor profile here, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams protein, 170 calories, 3 grams sugar, 3 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. You know, on the field, the Houston Texans have been preparing for uh, a regular season that they have to fight to have. They're preparing for uh, having games with no fans in some of these games. They're preparing for many different things because the NFL season has changed due to the pandemic. But off the field, the Houston Texans have been an organization uh, led by players like Kenny Stills with the backing of their front office and organization. They've been a f- one of the few organizations to really uh, lead the fight against social change. And let me say this. There's only so much NFL players can really do, right? There's only so much that coaches can do. But what they do is they take the opportunities that they have and create more opportunities for the right people to create the change. And players like Kenny Stills, um, players like you know Colin Kaepernick, who we, we know kicked this off four years ago, players like Eric Reed, you know, those players who had the opportunity to be a part of the change in the first place, they're still fighting with or without a job. But Jacob Blake was shot in Wisconsin by a police officer seven times while going back to his truck after breaking up a fight. The police officer uh, gave no warning had an opportunity to, if he felt threatened, if he felt like his life was threatened, use other uh, means of survival, but flat out shot a man seven times. And now we're having the same conversation that uh, Cody and I, uh, our other fellow brothers, African-American brothers had uh, when we had our locked on round table. And Cody, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the floor. But, you know, I mentioned that there's only so much NFL players and coaches can really do, right? Mm-hmm. I want to say that it really takes the owners, because let's face it, the owners are friends with a lot of these state reps. The owners are friends. A lot of the owners are friends with the president of the United States. And I think ultimately it would be in your best interest to help your company stay happy, your employees stay happy. And let's talk to these state reps and let's get some of this crap taken care of. Um, but it's sad, it's angering. And uh, I, I want to take the floor because, you know, honestly, I'm kind of pissed off talking about it. 
Yeah, you know, you and me both, you know, and the sad part about this is we literally, I'm not going to say we just finished talking about this in May, because honestly, John, this is a conversation that has been going on for at least over, I'm going to say, at least since the Rodney King incident that happened in 1991. And, um, you know, first and foremost, let me just say kudos to the players from not just in the NFL, but the NBA, the MLB, the MLS, um, the WNBA, you know, players. They are taking a stand, and like you mentioned, they are asking for the owners to help because they are the ones who are friends with the state representatives. They are the ones who are friends with the president in in this fight against racism and, um, of course, in this fight against police brutality. And, um, you know, let me just say, I, I still don't understand how people can look at that jacob blake video and still try to justify him getting shot several seven times you know let me just say this for the people who still want to justify the police actions ladies and gentlemen i am with you and i agree with your saying he should have never walked away from the police the police told him stand there or whatever okay i get it he should he should not have moved. He should not have went back to his car. He should have complied. He should have done X, Y, and Z. I understand that. But I'm pretty sure when that officer in the police academy, when he's going through his training, the last thing he is being taught is how to kill someone. I'm pretty sure there are several different ways he could have de-escalate that 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 incident that did not involve with seven bullets in his back that did not evolve leaving him paralyzed. That's the issue at hand. And what we saw on Sunday with the event that took place with Jacob Blake and the event that took place on Tuesday night when that 17-year-old boy, I'm not even going to call him by his name, he literally opened fire on a protest, killed two people, but yet the police, most of them just let him walk right by. That, that this is the fight that we're fighting. It's no, the they fact thanked, that some of those cops thanked him. Some of those cops, yeah, yeah some of them thanked him for opening. I think fight. a bottle of water was given out. A bottle of water, like that, is what we are talking about. I understand your frustration of saying he should not have went back to his car. I understand your frustration of you know saying that. He he should never moved and he should have complied. But ladies and gentlemen, how many times have black people complied and still end up dead? But you let all these white people get away with all these mass murderers and mass shooters. And then you want to break up backgrounds. You know, when it's coming to a black person, oh, he was he he robbed this person, he assaulted this person. But when it comes to these white mass shooters, oh, he has mental issues. Oh, his family wasn't around to take care of him. That is what we are talking about. And we are sick of it. We are truly sick of it. And that's what we want you guys to understand. And these players understand that too. And that is why they are trying to reach out to the owners because we can fight so much, but we need help. And we need to make sure these owners who are friends with the president, rather that's Donald Trump or Joe Biden or whoever it might be in November, we need their help to make change. And whoever's standing next to him as the vice president and on Capitol Hills and on the state representative, we need these owners' help. We cannot fight this fight alone. 
And for those of you who are still saying, well, things have changed. You guys are not oppressed. You know, it's not like I was in the 1950s and the 1960s. I agree with you. Things have changed. But it is time to make more change. You can't take the ball from the 10-yard line and move it to the 30-yard line and expect your team to win. That's not how this works. That's, that's not how this works at all. And it's it's truly sad that we literally just went through this in May. We're going through this again in August. And the sad part about this is before this year is over with, we're going to go through it again. Somewhere along the line, the, the, the cycle has to stop. And, you know, it's frustrating, you know, to continue, to, to see this continue happening and happening and happening, you know. And I could understand, let's say if Jacob Blake was going in his car to get a knife. What happened to, and, and, you, and if you felt threatened, let's say he, he was going to back to his car to get a machete. Why you didn't just pop him in the leg one time? Why you didn't just pop him in the arm one time? Why shoot him seven times in his back? What happened to Tazen? It was six other cops around. There's no one in the world with a knife. He's going to take out all seven cops. But yet, you let a white boy walk around with an AR, whatever he had, and you're going to thank him? Uh, after the scrimmage, Kenny Steele's led the players in a discussion about social issues. And and I think, I think Kenny is... A, you know, he, he may not give you eye-popping numbers, but the conversation isn't about eye-popping numbers. The conversation isn't about stats or Sundays, Mondays, Thursdays. It's about everyday life. It's about everyday life for people who are tired, past tired. And, and with being tired, angered, fed up, hurt um and so we saw the nba postpone games and we saw mlb postpone games i think hockey got involved and did something and and, you know the first thing we got to do is not look at these players as saviors and i'm only saying that because a lot of these players don't feel the same way they don't feel how we feel and like Brian Erlacher in, in his comments, in his feelings, and also liking a photo of the young boy who had the AR, who went down there to, you know, I think he came cross state lines as well. He was that compelled to cross state lines. But Brian Erlacher liked the picture saying, free that young man. And so what I'm getting at is, we can't look at these players like saviors, um, but what we can do is recognize the ones that are lending their help in hand, using their platform, using their voice. Say thank you, man. And all honestly, they don't have to do anything. But players like Kenny Steels, who are always, at least for the last few years, leading the fight and, and doing what he can and including others, and working with the police force in every city that he goes to and, and being a stand-up guy in whatever organization he's at at the moment. I will say we need more. 
And the more NFL players get on board, I think the more many changes can happen. Those small changes that we may see, a better relationship with police officers in in certain communities. If more of the NFL got on board, like they seemed they were going to, uh, when everything started to kick off with George Floyd and everybody had this big mirage video of, you know, then Roger Goodell was included. So the NFL seemed like they were going to be involved. Now we just want to see you guys be involved. But if not, if all of you guys won't come and if your owners still won't talk to their friends uh, on Capitol Hill or their legislative friends or their state representative friends or their governor friends or their mayor friends, as long as those guys won't get involved, then the NFL is going to continue to be useless. As of right now, everything is still on schedule for the NFL season to open up two weeks from now. And I'm saying as of right now, because given the state of our world, no matter what side are you on, there's a possibility that it might not happen. Rather it be COVID, rather it be, you know, the fight against social racism, or who knows, it might be another fight that we all might be in in the next two weeks, man. 2020 is a year that none of us will never forget. Um, but, you know, in all honesty, as I mentioned, everything is still on schedule for the 2020 season to kick off, which will begin at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City against the Chiefs and the and your Houston Texans. And, John, after everything that we've seen tonight when we were at the NRG Stadium, when we were looking at the scrimmage, how do you feel right now? We're all motions. How do you feel about the Texans pulling away with their first victory against the Chiefs two weeks from now? I still feel the same way I felt a couple of weeks ago and, and a couple of weeks before that. Whenever the schedule came out, I, I still think um, – <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, I mean now if Tyreek Hill doesn't play because he's nursing the injury right now, then I have more faith in Houston to be able to cover uh, Kansas City. And as great as those guys were tonight and, and how versatile the, the secondary has been playing – uh, in training camp for what we've heard and what we saw and, and all of the praise, Tyreek Hill is still a matchup problem for a group who was thrown together last year, right? Vernon Hargraves came a few weeks before the season ended. We know about the mid before midseason trade for Garyon Conley. Lonnie Johnson Jr. is expected to have a bigger part uh, on the secondary this year. So uh, they're not new playing together, but they still haven't had a full offseason together a traditional offseason, rather, together. So that's something to look at. Uh, now, if Tyreek Hill doesn't play, then my my expectations for what this team does defensively, coverage-wise, uh, changes, and I can see the Texans pulling out one. But I just think, But I just think the Chiefs are that great of a team, and the team that didn't have to go through too much change uh, over the off season, that the pandemic won't you know necessarily affect them as much as maybe other teams like Houston that went through a lot of change throughout the off season. So um, that's that. Now I do see this offense being explosive, high flying, moving the rock everywhere, really getting very good, but cheap yards. I can see Houston being one of those type of teams that'll move the ball like that this year, which is very encouraging because it takes a lot of strain off your quarterback. And 
You know, if you move the ball like that, three yards here, four yards there, your quarterback has a less likely chance of getting hit. We saw that because we know what Tom Brady had been able to do for the last, you know, 20 years of his career, it seems like. So uh, very optimistic about how the offense will flow and the secondary. But I think week one, it still goes to Kansas City. I'm sorry. Now, week two is where I can say I think Houston can beat the Baltimore Ravens, but I don't think them beat. I don't. I don't see them beating uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. You are such a non-believer, bro. Just good lord. Like, after, look what what have I been saying this whole entire time? Watching majority of their practices, the chemistry and the camaraderie that I see this team have on both sides of the ball. I think that's going to be enough. And you saw how good they looked last night. I really do think the Houston Texans have a good opportunity to go inside Arrowhead Stadium and get that win. And to me, this might be the most important game of the season because if they can go inside that stadium and beat that team where they lost that big lead in January, it's going to set the tone for this entire season. And from what I saw on both sides of the ball, especially the pass rush, yeah, I know Kansas City got a pretty good offensive line. But from what I saw, without a J.J. Watt, and we all know at least we're going to have a healthy J.J. Watt come week one and week two now. You know, after that, you know, prayers up that everything still looks good. But we know we're going to have a healthy J.J. Watt come week one. I like what I saw, man. I like what I saw. And the fact that they were still able to get to Deshaun Watson against an offensive line that that looked mighty good because they were going into their second year together, that offensive line, they look good. But the fact that they were still able to bypass that and still pressure Deshaun, um, it's a good sight to see. That secondary was a mixture of old players, new players, and rookies. The old players are gone. The veterans who was just thrown on this team a week before the 2019 season started and um, throughout the season, like Vernon Hargraves and um, Garyon Conley, those guys have more experience of playing under playing in the Texans defense, especially given the new defensive coordinator with Reaver. You got guys that's that's coming back even better, Lonnie Johnson Jr., um, Justin Reed. They're going to be good, bro. I I could truly see the Texans coming away victorious in this first game. But here's the thing. They can lose this game and still set the tone for the season. Uh, But what you cannot do, what you cannot do (laughs) is blow a 24-0. If they have a double-digit lead, on Kansas City, they better not lose it. They can still <laughs> lose this game. You know how they opened up the season last year with the Kansas City, I'm sorry, with the New Orleans Saints? That game was one of those games where they lost, but how they lost, you know, how they lost against the Saints was a way that they was able to beat other teams throughout the season. Uh, fighting, sticking in there, those very tough to win games, uh, those hot shootout games. Houston was able to use that for the rest of the season. Now, I mean, we do know how the season ended. They cannot lose a double-digit lead to Kansas City um, for week one. I'm John Some Sports Guy Hickman. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans and like us on Facebook as well. 
always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, and please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y, D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, peace. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.